I think it's a myth to sit and strategize your brand for long and invest a lot yeah. on your brand strategy. You have to allow for an element of fluidity yeah. and for changing with the times. Welcome back to the Kelvin Women Podcast. I'm your host, business mentor and personal brand strategist on a mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. Are you one of my five a day? Keep all your messages coming. Let me know on Instagram at Kelly Lundberg Official and let me know what you've been inspired by. Was it something on this episode? Keep them coming. It makes my day and it makes my guest day knowing that it has had such an impact. Thank you in advance for being one of my five a day. If you haven't already, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help secure even more guests to come on the show and it just takes a couple of minutes. Tell me which episode you like and it just draws more attention and more credibility. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Kelly. I'm very happy to be here with you we, today. We, we finally connected. <laughs> Absolutely. Been following your journey for years on oh, Instagram. It's always so good to hear because you often don't always meet people who follow your journey or who are part of it and they see what's going on and you don't always necessarily uh, know that. How long have you been in the Middle East? What what brought you here? So I lived here almost all my life. My family moved here in the 80s during the civil war of Lebanon. So I grew up here in the United Arab Emirates. I went to school here. I uh, went to university here. I'm one of the pioneers from the American University of Sharjah, first graduating class, and I've been working here for over two decades at the moment. I call myself an Abu Dhabian because I live in Dubai and I work in Abu Dhabi, uh-huh. and I've been doing that for over 11 years. Um, and having gro- grown up in Sharjah, I feel that I pretty much know the UAE from the back of my hands. I know the Northern Emirates very well, and I know the Western Emirates very well. So what made you decide to go into the path that you're in now? Maybe give everyone a little bit of a backstory. I was always fascinated with advertising and marketing. I was very much interested in the way uh, TV commercials used to come out and all of the creativity that comes with it. So I did start my career in the advertising side of the business, spent over 12 years there until it got really exhausting. The creative industry is very, very demanding in general. It's long hours, a lot of traveling, a lot of demanding clients, and true to its nature, it's difficult to strike a balance between your personal life and your professional Mm. life. And I got to a stage where I knew I wanted to have a family, so I decided to move to the client side, and it proved to be amazing. And now I work as a CMO for one of the big family businesses in town, and I handle over 21 brands. And of course, I'm an active member in the marketing society, and I love running marketing events here in the UAE. And you've also just released a book this year. So what was that about? So my book is called Marketing and Comms on the Job, and it really is a collection of basically frameworks short master classes on the different disciplines of marketing and communication written in a very simple and straightforward way. And it comes with a lot of practical advice and practical uh, checklists to help people really find marketing and comms easier on the job. 
there is a huge gap between the theory that you study and what you do at work. And a lot of the rich marketing books were either written by university professors, they're very heavy on theory, or they were written by CMOs of global brands who have the ammunition to run enormous budgets and run campaigns that not every basically every company can can run. Mm -hmm. So marketing books, after reading a lot of them, were either very heavy on theory or very heavy on case studies. And what happens if you fall in between? You know, I don't want the theory. I just want a practical guide. How can I check if a website is up to date? Or how can I run a press release? Or how do I build relationship with the media? I don't want to, you know, learn about how Siemens ran a massive CSR campaign that cost $100 million. I don't have that's that not relatable, I guess, yeah. to, to maybe everyone. Absolutely. So I decided to write a book that caters to the majority of working professionals, mm-hmm. your SMEs, your small business owners, your solopreneurs who want to learn how to create a digital strategy, how to get on social media and so on. So this, uh, so the book came out earlier this yes. year, and you were just telling me in the pre-chat that it's um, the US. Is it? Yes. Has been the sales yes. are coming from there. Absolutely. So the book hit the bestseller, the bestseller list on Amazon three times since February. Congratulations! Which is amazing, but in the same time, it's a bit disheartening to see that most of the sales are happening in North America and South America. It seems that, you know, other countries still place a lot of value on books and on basically gaining um, work knowledge from books. And I would love to see that happening a lot more in the Middle East. You do a lot of public speaking, though, and I think as part of what you've developed is you've built your own personal brand. Yes. Whilst you've also been employed and part of a, a bigger organization. And I think that's something that people struggle with a little bit because they think personal branding and being visible is only when you run your own business. Absolutely. What I noticed about the industry, and let me talk about the marketing and branding industry. It has become a custom that a marketeer is judged by how popular or big the brand that they handle is. Mm -hmm. So if you work for an international brand, it's taken for granted that you're an amazing marketeer and you're a global marketeer and you're probably award-winning. But the truth of the matter is you're backed up by an enormous budget that, you know, makes your life easy. You have a roster of agencies working for you, Mm -hmm. you have masterminds, and you have a legacy that backs up your career. However, 70% of marketeers don't necessarily work for global brands. And some of them are very entrepreneurial by nature. I found myself to be a very entrepreneurial person. I love the corporate world, but there's this entrepreneurial strike to me. I want to run, but, you know, projects. I want to try different types of work. I don't want to, you know, be regimented to a very strict process. And I knew as my career progressed that I don't necessarily fit in huge multinational conglomerates. And I'm going to work for family businesses and portfolio businesses that are growing, diversifying, and are looking for very nimble people who can think like a businessman. At the same time, I noticed that it's very hard to glorify what I do or to get a status within my society because I'm not backed up by global brands Mm. on my portfolio. And I wanted to really build a personal brand where your brand as a person grows beyond the brand that you work for. Mm. And you're able to define yourself beyond the parameters 
of the companies and the brands that you are trying to really grow in the region. And it wasn't an easy journey. It took me many years to really break through the communities, to have a voice and to build credibility. It took time, but it happened. Why do you think so many people are scared to build their personal brand within um, an organization? It seems quite natural if you own a business, um, you'll build your personal brand. But why is there the reluctance to do that, in your opinion? I think it all goes back to the fact that people running organizations today in senior positions are not digital natives. Mm -hmm. We are the generation that are considered the late adopters of technology. So we grew up in corporate cultures that did not have a digital first strategy when it comes to comms. And if you look at, you know, the way we were taught PR on the job, every company had one single spokesperson. There were very regimented policies on who can talk to the media and who can basically make statements uh, and commentaries on the market and the products. And I I am one of those. I did practice PR um, many years back where I was very strict on just having a CEO speak to the media, always sending out emails to the company, asking everyone to keep a a product launch, you you know, in top confidentiality. And with the introduction of the internet and social media, you know, becoming what it is today. And I think in the last five years, we had the Gen Zs enter the workforce. And these are digital natives Mm. who've grown their entire lives on digital and only communicate by digital. We realized that those parameters can no longer exist. We also realized that people want to have an insider view into a company. And hence came the growth of LinkedIn as a social media uh, platform. I never believed that LinkedIn is a recruitment platform. I even wrote about it in my book. I have a prediction that there will come a time that people will check your a company's LinkedIn page before they check the company's website because mm-hmm. LinkedIn allows an insider view into what's happening into inside the company, what events do they run, how do their offices look like, how do their employees interact, what type of content their employees generate on behalf of, of, of their company. And uh, I think it's just really the transcendence mm-hmm. and the introduction of social media and probably the Gen Cs mm. entering the workforce. So I can see how much we've changed our policies over the year uh, in corporate, where companies now keep an open mind. The number of spokesperson have grown for every organization. Uh, we've also seen spokespersons speak on their particular field. So we have our head of procurement talking about procurement, our head of sales talking about sales, our head of legal talking about legal. Whereas in the old days, it was always the one omnipresent voice, which is usually a CEO. So it will come with time. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, if I go back to the creative industry, today, creative employers expect from their employees to be social media influencers. Yeah. They do expect from them to have a voice out there. Mm. So the KPIs are changing, maybe slowly, but you will see a radical change in the coming years. Yeah, I have heard when I've you know had my events, companies have said to me, or employees of companies have said, oh yeah, our company now make us share all the company yes. um, updates on their LinkedIn. Yeah. And, and I get why they're doing it because I've seen the stats that if an employee or a person shares a post, it's 24 more times more More. visible than if the company does. But part of me feels that that's then inauthentic 
on their personal brand of just reposting, reposting, reposting companies because it's not something that they want to do. Where's the fine balance between that? I agree with you on the reposting. What we do today in our content creation at work is that we produce the content pieces and we distribute it to the employees and we give them a choice as to whether they would Uh. like to post about it or not. The engagement on my company's LinkedIn page is 98% from employees, which is a new measurement that LinkedIn introduced just a couple of years back where Mm. you can see how many of your employees follow you and how many of your employees engage with your content. Mm -hmm. Our engagement rate is extremely high, which means employees uh, actually want to talk about their workplace. If you're a corporate executive, you're spending, you know, eight to 10 hours of your day at work and it's probably more hours than you would spend with your family or on your hobbies or on your personal development. So you need to to, to find meaning yeah. in what you do. And I think by your company talking about their milestones and achievements and what, what they're up to and how much they know, they allow you as well, you know, the fulfillment to find meaning in what you do. You also find it a part of your own self-expression to tell the world, hey, look at what my company is doing. Yeah. We've seen it recently. Um, we launched our first sustainability report mm-hmm. uh, at work. And I thought this is still not a very interesting topic, in my opinion, to the masses. You mm-hmm. know, it would interest people who work in governance or it would interest the banks to know that a company launched its, you know, ESG report or sustainability yeah. report. But uh, surprisingly, a lot of our employees wanted to tell the world that, hey, we now have a sustainability story. Come check out the sustainability initiatives mm. we do. So the sentiment is picking up. Yeah. How have you developed your personal brand over the years? I have to say I started the traditional way, yeah. which is a very hard way. First and foremost, networking. Yeah. It was very important for me to set aside the time to get to know people from my industry. Mm-hmm. I manually built my LinkedIn network where I would search for people that work in comms and in marketing and I would add them. And um, I didn't shy from asking them for uh, joining me for a cup of coffee. With times, things have changed. Today, we have the Marketing Society, which does amazing work. When it comes to the marketeers, we have over 400 members in the UAE. I make sure I attend at least 50% of the Mm -hmm. events. Uh, So I truly believe in networking and the power of networking be it uh, whether it's done physically or digitally. Mm-hmm. Another thing I did is basically really write opinion pieces that are futuristic, that predict what's happening, uh, or that basically shed the light on certain trends. And those would take a lot of time. And I wanted my pieces to be authentic. I never used a ghostwriter or an mm-hmm. editor. I've written them myself. And um, I've built my own relationship with the editors in the industry as well. And finally, there was the book. I really wanted the book to speak about my niche and I needed to understand what my niche is. And I found that my niche is having the from scratch capabilities because what I've done in the last six jobs that I had is built a department from scratch. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is interesting. I know there are a lot of people out there doing that, but they don't talk about it. There's an element of, oh, really? Like, you're a one-person department or 
really your company didn't have a department before and you're building it from scratch. And I wanted them to come out and talk about it. It is a very difficult journey and it's not meant for all types of marketeers. Mm. You need to be willing to roll up your sleeves to build a department from scratch or any kind of function from scratch. I'm sure you relate because you've built your entire business from scratch. And I really spent 18 months working on the book, trying to really democratize what glamorous marketing is. (laughs) Outlining every possible task you would do on the job and how I can help you make it easier as well. What are some of the biggest myths you think in the marketing world? I think I have to, to be honest, brand building. There's a lot of deliberation and strategizing that goes into building a brand. I think brand building is a very fluid process. Mm -hmm. It's a trial and error process. There's no shame in brands changing their USPs and uh, changing their narrative. Uh, As long as they're keeping a superior quality, they still have a a point where they're differentiated from others. And definitely, definitely they're, they're scoring very high on the customer satisfaction index. Mm. You can change who you are. Actually, if you look at the CMO survey that was uh, published just in March this year, it showed that at the moment, the biggest priority for CMOs around the world, and this is a survey that more than 3,000 CMOs in Europe and the US took part in, is actually changing their brand strategy followed by brand engagement, which means companies are changing what they do Mm -hmm. and then talking about how they do it. Mm. If you look at what's happening in in industries, every industry is changing the way it's doing things. Banking is becoming completely virtual. We will come to a time when you won't see physical banks, same for telecoms, same for the energy sector. We're moving from fossil fuels to renewables. In architecture and construction, we're moving from cement to, you know, new biodegradable building materials. So companies are really changing what they do. And so I think it's a myth to sit and strategize your brand for long and invest a lot on your brand strategy. You have to allow for an element of fluidity and for changing with the times. It would also be very interesting to understand how to calculate the ROI on your brand strategy, knowing that the lifetime of companies is shrinking. Mm -hmm. So companies that were created in the 60s, it's expected that 50% of them will become obsolete. And it's expected that by 2025, the lifetime of companies on the S&P 500 will stretch up to 17 years only. Oh, wow. And then they have to probably, you know, they will have to change what they're offering. We all forget that the world is basically being taken over by technology mm-hmm. and technology is a depreciating asset. Technology doesn't really appreciate. It goes obsolete and a new technology comes in, which means companies are going to keep redefining what they do, which means they're going to keep changing their brand strategy. Yeah. How would you say that someone can keep up with that then? <laughs> It's sad but true, but you have to become really a digital native. You have to become, you know, you have to embrace digital to the core. I know there's people listening to this that are going to be like, oh no, this is not what I I wanted to to hear. Absolutely. I had to go through the acceptance phase of it being a marketeer that's gone through 
the earlier days of marketing. I've been I've been in the field since the late 90s. Mm. It is so different. And I wrote about it in the book. Your years of experience might not, you know, might not be your ammunition to keep your job. It's really learning to unlearn, learning yeah. to let go of how you used to do things and be willing to accept a new way of doing things. Mm. How do you constantly evolve then? Do you think that is just down to being open to change or reading or investing in experts? Mm -hmm. Or what's your thoughts on that? I'm an advocate of reading, obviously. I've read a lot of books and books have played a major role in my Mm -hmm. uh, career. But today it's all available. It's all online. Uh, I love LinkedIn learning. Mm -hmm. You have to keep up in a way. That's true. You have to continuously study and upgrade and Luckily, content today is very inexpensive and it's available and it's available in a format that you can consume while you're driving, while you're jogging. Uh, But you need to really make sure that you're up to speed with what's going on around you. What advice would you give to someone who then is wanting to build their personal brand or even sort of transition from where they are, because you transitioned from yes. one side to, to the other, yes. um, and, and work on their brand, what advice would you give to someone? I would really advise them to really have an authentic voice yeah. and to really be true to themselves. So in my personal brand, I defined, I defined my brand into three pillars, a CMO, someone who cares about the environment. Mm-hmm. So I've gone and taken a certification in sustainability marketing and a mother I love to talk about motherhood if, and my own experiences raising my kids. And I decided to segregate my channels. I didn't use the, you know, the approach where put the same content on every channel. Mm-hmm. If you look at my Instagram, there's Marwa the mother. And if you look at LinkedIn, there's Marwa the CMO and the sustainability marketeer. And that's okay. It goes against, you know, the protocols, but that's what I want. In building my own voice, I had to force myself to be authentic. I chose to to write my own pieces. Mm -hmm. I chose to write my own book. It probably would have taken me uh, six months to produce my book if I had an editor or a support writer. It took me 18 months because I wanted to study every field I'm writing about. I read over 27 books in the process to make sure I'm up to date with my terminologies and everything. And I chose to write my book word by word because I wanted to be authentic. Mm. I wanted someone to, to hear Marwa when they're, when they're reading my book or to really feel that I'm talking to them when they read my articles. And this was my personal choice. Mm. I could have probably had an expressway and uh, achieved a lot more in a shorter span of time, but I wanted this to grow the right way. That word authentic voice, I think it frightens some people. Um, some people are confused by it. How would you define being authentic? I think encouraging, encouraging yourself to really just say things the way you would do. And I, I do this frequently with my CEOs. I have four CEOs and I am responsible for their communication. And I've worked with them over the years to convince them that it should be your voice. So if one of my CEOs is heading to an interview, I really won't script answers for them. I would just ask them, okay, what are our talking points in here? And I would sit with them and we would rehearse mm-hmm. instead of me just 
you know, sending the questions to my agency or corporate writer, getting answers scripted, sending it to them, and I'm out of the process. It's very important as well to work on your communication skills. And these are things that you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, every couple of years, I do a refresher on public speaking. I also try to improve my language skills. There's no shame in that. You have to acknowledge that there's a journey where your effort is required. It's like losing weight. There's no magic pill uh, to losing weight. It's the same with building a personal brand. You can't outsource it completely. It's called personal because it needs to have your touch in it. It's having someone to support you with the strategies, but it needs to be your voice. It needs to be your take on it. And it's interesting when I work with clients because they're everyone you, you you can help them with similar strategies, but it's still completely personalized yes. based on their content pillars or yeah. based on their um their business or their opinion pieces that they're writing. So yeah, it's it can stretch so far and then yes. you need to say, no, do you know what? It yeah. needs to be your voice. It needs, Absolutely. It can't just be chat GBT. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a lot. I have around 40 team members mm. and reading their emails, I know who's using ChatGPT and who's not. What's the biggest giveaways do you think when someone's using ChatGPT? It's a turnoff. Yeah. It's a complete turnoff. Is and it words you, that they use or is it the way the expressions? You can tell if this person has this expression on them or not at the beginning of sentences, um, the repetition of ideas. ChatGPT is a machine talking to you. It's not a human talking to you. And it'll be interesting to see how this will evolve into the world of communication. I truly don't believe that ChatGPT can take over the job of writers or communicators. Um, They can't play on the emotional element. I would also say for personal branding, you should definitely reach out to the experts. We need guidance on, you know, what type of photography you need, fashion wear, it still amazes me when you see executives taking pictures oh, with their hands me wrapped too. around. It's neck. like how long we've there. moved on from this yes. body language. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Open gestures. What are some of your favorite books? Then you said you read twenty-seven when you were writing yours. Is there yes. a couple of those that, for those that are listening now, would go, "Wow, it's really useful." Lighter Fire is a book about internal communication. And it's an amazing book that shows not just marketeers, it shows HR professionals and any business owners how much you can do for your employees. Mm -hmm. And it really sheds the light that your employees are really your engine of growth. And today they are your brand ambassadors. So this was a very lovely book that I read. This is Marketing by Seth Godin. It's also beautiful because it really interlinks creativity with marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, I really didn't find a book that links marketing with comms, but this is something that I wrote about. I touched upon the harmony that we need between marketing and comms Mm. and that we don't need a marketing society and a PR society and a comms awards versus a like we should come together. Mm. We're very close. And um, I guess we will be waiting for your book on personal branding. (laughs) coming next year. Yeah, the working title is currently DC the Lemon, How to Elevate Your Personal Brand One Pip at a Time. Oh, how nice. So that sort of come from a DC the Lemon's a metaphor that I've used for quite a long time in business. And it is just the idea of paying attention to detail. Yes. 
a simple drink can be spoiled. My granny used to make a hot water with lemon. Um, that if you don't remove the pips, it's just something so tiny, yes. so simple, yeah. but it can destroy a drink Absolutely. Or of any sort. And yeah. um, I realized this during my fashion career that it was often just the small detail that made the big difference. Absolutely. And I see that. And even the things that you were talking about with brand building is that you've got to roll your sleeves up. Yeah. It takes effort. It does. But I always equate, you know, your personal brand a little bit like a long-term savings account. And the more that you just chip away and that consistency piece, the rewards are there. Yes. And it's just the little bits, the evolution, the thought leadership, you know, now you have your book, all those things, the compound effect of that brings you to a brand that then you can work with companies of your Mm. choice or command a speaking fee. You become an authority. Mm. I mean, after I launched the book, I became a board member in the Marketing Society. I became a board member in the Abu Dhabi School of Management for Mm. MBA students. I became a part-time lecturer in um, uh, Abu Dhabi University. Um, Those won't come in unless someone sees that you are an authority and you can't be an authority on a topic unless you really work hard on it. Mm -hmm. So really the the effort is worth it. It is an investment in my opinion. How often are you posting on social media, uh, on LinkedIn, for example? I post almost daily mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. The algorithms have changed a lot, I have to say. So I have been adopting uh, new strategies for me and uh, basically the senior leaders that I work on their content. We've decided to tone down on the articles. We've seen that the readership on articles Uh, have dropped. We've also realized that people engage a lot with content uh, that has a human element to it. So when the pictures are raw, taken from events, show people together, you get a lot more engagement than the multimedia piece being animated or um, based on graphics. Um, Surprisingly enough, the engagement on video content is still not as high as Instagram. It's not, is it? Uh, And I would attribute this to the fact that people feel that it's okay to check LinkedIn during working hours or during the working day, but they do not allow themselves to sit and watch a Mm. video. So we can see that the engagement on video pieces is a lot less Mm. than on static content. And one, I always tend to find if it's, the multiple pictures don't yes, always work, don't work as well. It's one image because then the, the, the layout, image. it makes it all Does quite it. squashed. You have to build a carousel, which is actually not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. We also noticed that you can go up to 300 words in your posts, 250 to 300 words, not more. These are get a lot more engagement than articles. Mm. And... Um, we recently started adding emojis to the posts and we see that yeah. people like it. Um, newsletters are effective only if you keep the frequency to one newsletter update a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen a lot of employees wanting to talk about their days. So, you, so people want to post from their offices, from their work environments. Um, they want to post about uh, what they're doing to improve their careers, courses they're taking, certificates they're working on. Mm. Uh, when we run our uh, annual 
gala dinner where we award employees, mm-hmm. we we get immense engagement because employees are constantly posting about the certificates and being on stage. And there's a lot of love for posting uh, recognition at work yeah. on LinkedIn. Yeah. What would you say to a company that's reluctant to invest in their employees' executive brand, their personal brand um, going forward? If they're listening right now, yes. what would you say to them? Um, we've had this conversation a lot and um, it's amazing because today your brand sits with the people that work for you and you need an expansion on your spokespeople. It doesn't have to be an unlimited expansion, mm-hmm. but a company can accommodate up to six to 10 spokespersons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to position them as basically leaders in their field. And um, I would say that uh, even for them as an employer, for employer branding, you really need to allow your people to show how happy they are working for you. So you need to give them Uh, content that they can put. You need to support them Mm. with the content that they can put out there. I mean, it's amazing. Like in our car dealership, we have our technicians and our mechanics on LinkedIn and they're constantly posting. Uh, uh, In the showrooms, our car salesmen are always posting uh, car handovers uh, because it means he sealed the deal. Happy families receiving their new cars. Uh, And it's amazing that this type of content does really well. Mm. It does really well. I think PR has changed Mm -hmm. with social media. And at the moment, you can't really segregate PR from executive profiling. Mm -hmm. Your PR piece sits within the voice of basically your executives. And um, they go hand in hand. Mm. Someone's thinking right now, okay, I've really got to make a bit more of an effort. What's one thing you would say that they could do now that would maybe have an impact on their brand going forward? Would they be corporate executives? Yeah, let's say corporate. Uh, corporate. They definitely, they can start with LinkedIn. Yeah. Look at the LinkedIn profile, uh, upgrade it, revisit their bio, make sure they have basically a a branded banner for their page, Mm -hmm. a fresh headshot, um, and of course, it's not a selfie, not a selfie <laughs> and not a passport picture and not black and white, <laughs> not black and white. And definitely define what are the pillars of their personal brand. What is it that they want to talk about? Mm. Um, there's always it's a multidimensional thing, so it can't be just one thing. I mean, funny enough, we're we're constantly looking at CEOs in other industries and benchmarking them to see, you know, what is it that that they talk about. And it still surprises me to see that, you know, in traditional sectors such as automotive, energy, power, and marine, Mm. 90% of the content of CEOs is still very much Mm brand-driven. So it's brand announcements or, you know, what latest product or launch that they've done. Or it's usually just... um, content about company events yeah so they've not got the personal piece the personal piece is coming yeah but very slowly and gradually a lot of the ceos are still adopting the traditional model of you know this is what my brand does this is the latest model this is the latest product launch uh repost company news and uh maybe post about a small uh event at work. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And then you see a new breed of younger CEOs or mostly CEOs of SMEs or startups that are on fire. They're on panel discussions. You know, their pictures are in, you know, T-shirts and jeans. They're with their employees. They're talking about, you know, topics related to their industry, but not specifically related to their company or the products they sell. They're out there. They're on panel discussions in industry forums, uh, putting their ideas out there, putting polls out there, commenting on uh, certain trends that are coming up. So... It's interesting. Yeah, time, times are changing. Yes. I do wonder where we're going to be in the next five years. If you think from where we've evolved from sort of since COVID, you know, yes. 2020 is a sort of a, a landmark to now. And I, I, I personally think that, that that was a defining moment for personal branding, because I yes. think that the space of digital became much more competitive in the environment of you could be working for anyone anywhere. Absolutely. So now it's, you know, you could be a speaker living in Dubai, yes. hired in, in America. You could yes. be an employee living in, in, in Australia and have business elsewhere. So all of a sudden now mm. your personal brand is not just city centric. Absolutely. And, and it's now global. And I think that's a really big thing that people need to understand is that personal brand is global. It can be global. Um, you can connect with people all over. It's opened up so many more kind of opportunities. Did you see any other sort of changes during that period as well? I think so. I think the platforms changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we look back, at, I, I know Facebook is on the maturity end of the curve. It's becoming a family album and a family reunion uh, platform. Instagram was very much a personality defining platform where you define yourself. I'm a cook or I'm an artist or I'm a photographer. Uh, And then they've upgraded and social selling came in. And now, you know, you can set up shop on Instagram. Mm. And I think Instagram had such a compound community effect on small businesses during COVID because it helped them, you know, have that virtual aspect to their business at a small cost. And I'm really appreciative to Instagram being the savior of, you know, small businesses and uh, entrepreneurs. Mm. Uh, Social selling has taken over, like, I think now the platform is perfect for selling. And then LinkedIn changed from executive search uh, and executive placement to basically the platform where companies can have their profile and humanize their existence. Yeah. So LinkedIn started addre- you know, introducing those new elements. Let's ha- there's a live tab. You can upload videos. You, we now have this measurement um, Uh, element where you can see how many of your employees are following you. This is how many of your employees are engaging with you. Um, And they've they've really, again, changed the entire proposition Mm. of the platform from hiring and placement, which which we still use. It's Mm -hmm. it's a great database for talent, but to more of a platform where companies humanize their existence. It's like your Instagram for companies uh, as well. It'll be interesting to know what's coming next. Yeah. What do you think of threads? <sighs> okay. <laughs> I've written a lot about it. Um, I'm not active on threads. I'm on threads, but I'm not active on threads. It'd be interesting to see X and how X will take over. But what I see happening is in the world of personal branding, you have your TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram where people are given uh, the means to use amazing audio and easy 
buildup of videos and filters and everything to make your reels look perfect and emotional and nice. Whereas in executive profiling, we don't have that. I see that the progression of video content is is not being picked up in executive mm-hmm. profiling. I know now people are starting to uh, get on the podcast wagon, but it'll be interesting to see the difference between the corporate world of comms and the personal branding. The channels are very different in, yeah. in general. And what's next? I mean, I remember going through a phase of um, Periscope. Do you remember that? Yes. The platform. Yes. And it was your sort of, I guess it was your live video before Instagram Live kind of came around, but now no one uses that. And then you had Clubhouse that was really big for community building during COVID. But I don't know anyone who talks about that So LinkedIn launched LinkedIn Live. And I remember we once broadcasted an event on LinkedIn Live, but the live, the story story, uh, option and the live option didn't really, it was very short lived on LinkedIn. It'll be Mm. interesting to see whether it'll come back or not and whether People want that on LinkedIn or not. I think people still, you know, log into LinkedIn to see who did what, what did this company do, and to read the news and to get more of an update on your field. So it's still consumed very differently from other social media channels. But of course, there are other channels to build your personal brand. There's your own personal website. There's Which I'm a big fan of. I love personal websites. <laughs> I think they're great for the SEO, um, the visibility, the next level professionalism. Absolutely. Building your own blog. I have yeah. my own blog on my website and I put a lot of content that is personal to me. I feel more secure yeah. to post on my personal blog. Yeah, yeah. So building your own personal blog, building your podcast, writing a book, contributing to the media with effective pieces is something you can do. And of course, the physical element of showing up to, you know, forums and events. And networking, uh, what you started off with, how you started building your personal brand through um, building those networks. What's next for you then? So you've got the big tick of the book. Have you got, what's next in the pipeline? Uh, Next is book number two. Oh, it didn't Uh, put you off. (laughs) Not at all, not at all. I'm halfway through book number two which is not going to be about marketing and comps, but it's going to be about um, support for women at work. Mm. So tips and pieces of advice for women who are navigating their way through the corporate world. Yeah, excellent. Well, I wish you every success with that. Thank you. I always love to round off a podcast with a couple of questions. So we have a deck here. Feel free to pick any two or three and go ahead and answer them. Let's see. Very interesting deck. Yeah. Esther Perel, do you, do you know? I love her. Yeah. yeah. No, everyone knows of, uh, of, of who she is. So this is a game that she has and um, you can play it as a family. You can play it in work, couple. And their questions are brilliant. All right. Let's see what Esther has for me. I wish I can still get away with eating a burger and not gaining weight. <laughs> Mine would be dessert. I just (laughs) love that. All right. Let's do another one. Should I pick another one? Go for another one. Okay. I make too big of a deal about people littering. But it's a big deal, though. And you think still in this day and age, why there's bins everywhere? But it's a big piece for you. I always wonder why, but yeah, ticks me off. (laughs) Good stuff. Do one more. One more. All right, let's see what we have. At a party, you'll find me at the bar. 
<laughs> What's your preferred tipple? Uh, Prosecco. <laughs> Love it. Cheers to that. Great. Thank you so much for being part of today. I loved it. And, and it was really nice to be able to develop the personal brand piece, but from an executive and the corporate side yes. um, and bring that into to making it personal. So thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you, today. Kelly. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website, Brand New Creators, designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.